that yet. Awesome. Well, welcome to the first episode of the second season of the Newfangled Lore podcast. Um, I'm super pumped to have Rob Ingalls of Law Pods. He's like the uh, podcast dude for law firms. So we're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to as he said, maybe he gets weird with it. You never know. You never know where this journey is going to go on the New Fangled Lore podcast because we do this completely unscripted, um, unedited. This is just the raw footage of the conversation. I equate it to like jazz musicians. We just kind of riff off of each other. So, Rob, I'll, I'll turn it over to you to introduce yourself uh, and then we'll get going with the conversation. Love it. Well, thanks for having me. And we used to call that live to drive where you just hit record and whatever happens is what people hear. So get ready for it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, dude, it's, it's so great to be here. I appreciate you having me. I feel like the first time we talked just to prepare for this, we, re- we should have recorded that too, because we were just shooting the shit, talking about all the things. And I hope this has a 10th of the magic because it will be outstanding. But yeah, I mean, just a, a quick about me, and I will warn you, rein me in anytime you need to, because I love the sound of my voice. So well, it's because you have an awesome setup. You have a great mic. <laughs> it sounds good. It's like silky smooth. So it helps a lot. Uh, yeah. So yeah, a uh, recovering lawyer, as I think we call ourselves, uh, been out of practice. I settled my last case in late 2018, September to be exact. Uh, I know exactly where I was sitting when they finally settled this case that would never end. And man, it was a a pretty incredible feeling of just having it gone and and realizing in that moment, I don't have any more clients. They're all gone. It's beautiful. And I had, you know, we can get more into this later, but, you know, started a podcast agency, took a nine to five to build that, was able to go all in about two weeks before COVID shut down the world. And now, I mean, I say this with no hyperbole, like I am living my dream. I get to do something every day that I really enjoy. I show up to my desk. I'm excited to do it. Like I was on a lot of like vacation last week and on Saturday I, I sat down and I started thinking, what am I doing for this week? And I was excited to get back to the desk for a full week of work with all these things that I'm trying to do. And that's bananas to me. Like, I did not know that you could like work. I thought work sucks and you just have to do it. Uh, you, like it has to be, it. it has to be miserable and right. you, have to, you have to push through it. And that's not, and that's not to say that the thing that brings you excitement, that is your dream is not hard work. Right. Right. I think there's this uh, kind of conflation that for something to be enjoyable, it is easy, but, but actually, but actually some of the most enjoyable things take a lot of hard work. I mean, look yeah. at look at pro athletes. They work very hard, right? But a lot of them find it enjoyable. Yeah. Have right? you read any work on flow, like the concept of flow? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I love it. Um, I will learn how to say that guy's name. It's like Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi. Yeah, I will butcher. I can't even get, I can't even get like a <laughs> syllable out right now. Uh, but that concept was so interesting to me because that's part of it. it has to be challenging in order to get into that flow state where it almost everybody has been in it at some point or another where you're just going the time is flying you're lost in the activity 
and everything's clicking. It's going right. And it's just beautiful. It's like beautiful symphony. And you're in that flow state. And part of getting into that has to be an appropriate challenge. If what you're doing is too easy, it doesn't require you to, to think about it and work on it a little and, and push yourself. You're unlikely to find that flow state because a lot of people are trying to reverse engineer it, myself included. Like, how do I <laughs> set up my life on a particular day to try to find that flow state? Because it's, it's, it really is a life hack where the more frequently you can get into that state, the more prolific you can be. Because so much, I mean, for me, three, four, six times the amount of work and the quality of the work that comes out compared to when I'm just like kind of grinding and not really clicking. And yeah, so it's anytime it, I can set that up. It, someone just mentioned to me recently, it's like uh, it pairs well with the concept of there's the zone of comfort in your zone of genius. And so many of us sit in our zone of comfort because there are there's a lot of control there, right? Even if it's not enjoyable, even if it's not even really that fulfilling, because you're still producing something in your zone of comfort, right? And it comes easy. It comes naturally. Your zone of genius is like the next level up. It's where your, your soul sings. And I think you said it's like, like it's like your dream right? Where it just resonates with you and you're, you feel like integrated, like mm-hmm. every day you show up and the, the work that you're doing isn't the traditional um, concept of work, but, but you're in, you're producing something of value, not only to other people, but yourself. So in that transition from settling your last case in 2018 to getting into the flow state, what did you have to let go in that process? Like of your definition of success, of your definition of like who you were, like are there, was there aspects of you that you had to let go of to get to your dream state? So between the time I settled that case? Yeah, yeah uh-huh. Like, I would, I mean. That chapter closed. Yeah. Now this chapter opened. Now I will say in order to, I think give that question a proper answer. I have to say it definitely started before settling Mm -hmm. that case because that case was more, you know, the proverbial nail in the coffin, but it it really started when I decided I was out. It's the decision to say, I'm going to close this. And a law firm is not like a book. You can't just close it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You got to wind it down. And, and that, that took a while. Now, most of my cases were done a year earlier. Like I really wrapped everything up and this one just wouldn't die and should have. That's what made it so much more frustrating. It was, was like, it was, it was like the hand reaching from the grave. Dude, it was such a bad case too. Like it was such a silly case on everyone's part. And I mean, everyone would say that too. Uh, like it was just, we shouldn't have been there. We would have, we, we would have settled this case for more on day one, you know, and it just wouldn't die. And but I had put in, I had decided to, to close that chapter, like really like I am done with this. And that was hard to, to come to that because you spend so much of your life, I think almost any lawyer, uh, this would resonate, you spend so much of your life 
after this and time, money, the people around you usually have supported you emotionally, financially to get here to this thing. And and for someone like me, the, uh, like neither of my parents went to college. My mom didn't finish high school. And for me to go do this thing, like the prestige was part of it was they were so proud that I went and did this thing. And so all of those things together, it becomes, it's like your identity. What was their reaction when Man, dude, my mom couldn't have been cooler. See, like unbelievable. Like I'm so fortunate because it's she, like, it's, I was worried, but yeah. I mean, she just, she said when I was young, uh, that she'd be happy that as long as we were happy with what we did, she'd be happy. And I remember she used to say, uh, you know, you, if you choose to be a garbage collector, I'll be happy. And we lived in a trailer. Um, so I, I don't think that she could be seen as someone who was disparaging garbage collectors at the time. Um, no, it's, but she was, she was just it's saying it's a legitimate profession. Right. I mean, so someone's got to, someone's got to pick up the garbage. Yeah. I, but it wasn't like looking down our nose, you know, no, no. like we were there yeah. <laughs> and, but she was so understanding. And I mean, I think she also saw that I was in turmoil. Now I'm sure part of her thought, oh shit. Uh, you know, what, what is he chasing now? Uh, (laughs) Are you a dream? Are you a dream chaser by nature? I mean, I have, I'm a night. So I am a dreamer. Mm. Now I am a dream chaser, but for most of my life, I was a dreamer and there is a very distinct difference. What is it? What is it? What is what what is the distinction between the two? Dreamers have the dreams and Mm. If you are not also a chaser, you die with those dreams and they stay Mm. dreams. Mm. And I am mortified of that because I've met so many of those people through the course of my life who they will regale you with stories about the time they almost, (laughs) the time that (laughs) they came so close, they came so close. Yeah. Or they meant this right. They meant this one person. And if they'd have made just a slightly different decision, things would have been very different. And the saddest part of all of it for me is their, their eyes light up when they tell that story because they find value in that. And that's fine. But it was soul crushing to me to, to, to think I, I can end up like this if I don't change. Because to me, the idea has no value. The, the thing that you thought of, how many times has an Uber driver told you they had the idea for Uber? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it just, it, it lives inside your brain. Right. Yeah. And it's, it, there's no, it's there's nothing. There's no action. Uh, yeah. It's not action based. It's not living based, really. It's it's thought based, um, but there's nothing cool. to show. There's nothing to show for it. Right. In the end, there's nothing tangible. I I'm, I just got done reading. Um, it's called the War of Art. It's by the author who wrote the Legend of Bagger Vance. 
can't remember his name, Steve something. And Stephen Presley. That's it. That's it. And it's a, it's a great book. It's not very long, but man, it's got some real just gets right to your heart. Um, and there's a couple themes in there that um, I want to talk to you about. One of them is this idea that um, the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. Mm. And I think in the legal profession, particularly, you have a lot of people who would say, you know, they either love the law, right? They love being an attorney. Um, and it's not that they hate being an attorney. They become indifferent. They become indifferent of outcomes. They become indifferent of, you know, what they're doing, their success. And so for you, it was it that you hated being an attorney or you became to the point where you're just like indifferent to it or bored with it or what was your relationship? Cause you clearly didn't love it at a certain point. So what was it that drove you to push past the wall and leap into, you know, your dream to be the dream chaser? There's one of the things I've heard is, and I never, Frequently, I'll forget where I, I heard it because you hear it so many times from so many different people. But it's change can only happen when the pain of staying the same gets too high. Mm. Um, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But I have found it to be true in my own life. And I was, I had this dream for a, a lot of my life. I'd, I'd wandered away from it at certain points, but I'd wanted, I'd thought about being a lawyer from a very young age. And then I got there and it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I mean, that starts with applying to law school, with filling out your L LSAC, with studying for the LSAT. You're like, this kind of sucks. And, <laughs> and then you get into law school and you're like, oh, this really does suck. And, you know, some of it's interesting, but then you get out and you're like, okay, when I get out, it's going to be different. Mm. And... You get out and you start doing it and it's hard. And for me, it was just, it was just a constant barrage of you're wrong and you're stupid. Uh, opposing counsel wanted you to know you're wrong and you're stupid. Uh, the judge frequently wanted you to know you're wrong and you're stupid. And I, that was just uh, pretty vicious because that's what I felt like law school was like too. But I was like, well, practice will be different because I'll be a lawyer then. Hmm. And, and when that when the, when this happens, it'll be better. When it, yeah. it keeps pushing it off, yeah, right. And it, and it's and you keep then saying, oh, when this next condition happens, and you just end up creating this laundry list of conditions that when these conditions are met, then this won't. This other reality will yeah. be on the opposite end of it, and so. It's almost like um, you're just deferring your dreams, Defer deferring yeah. the thing, deferring the thing you want. It will it'll be there in the future, but not now. You tell yourself that the thing is what's going to make you happy. That when I get there, when I when I achieve, and for me, I, I'm glad you kind of brought this up because I think about it a lot. When I started this company, I had this, these goals. 
and the goals have gotten bigger because I mean, they always should like my dreams were far too small, but I had these goals and they were everything. They were, you know, some of them are still on the board beside me because I'm not going to take them down until they're real, but I don't look at them that much anymore. Uh, because that's what really drove me. Like, I'm going to get to this thing. I'm going to get to this financial level. Uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to be able to, to buy this one toy that I want that, that was driving me. Like I want to be able to be able to walk in with cash and purchase this toy I want. And that's a driver. And I'm still <laughs> well, going to purchase. What's the toy? What's the, what's, I mean, if you could have one, you know, imp- one impractical purchase in your life. Well, I mean, I, so I want, you know, depending on where Tesla is in the next couple of years when I can afford it, um, you know, with cash and feel okay about it, um, you know, I want the Model X completely tricked out. You know, it's funny. So my, I have one time in my life, I just want to own an impractical vehicle, like, like an old pickup truck, right? Or like, an old pickup or, truck. Or, or like, or like an, El, <laughs> like an El Camino. Like something that I totally does not make sense. Yeah. Just because it's fun. Yeah. yeah like for no that. other reason other other than that. Like why yeah. not? It's like there's no reason to own that. I live in Minnesota. So it's like you, an El Camino would be horrible in the snow. But <laughs> it would be super fun. When yeah. it like once in your lifetime. Okay. So so if you could money was no object, you'd get a Tesla. Well, why, that's what I mean. Why, why, just... te- why is why a Tesla? A, I have, I've always supported the mission from a very young age of autonomous vehicles or whatever you want to call them. I mean, right now, in any given year, 30, 35,000 people die in an automobile accident in the United States alone. And nobody really cares. It's just an acceptable risk. Want a cheeseburger? You might die getting it, but that's how it goes. And... I got in a severe accident when I was in high school. Uh, just the driver was going way too fast. We hit a ditch. We rolled three times. I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Miraculously, here I am to tell the story. And that changed the way I looked at cars, though. Mm. And it, the the uh, the danger of them became very, very real. Mm. And people, even then people were starting to talk about driverless cars. And I was just intoxicated with the idea. Every time I'd hear somebody got in a car accident, I had a friend from high school after that, that was riding with a drunk driver and he died. And like this kid, I like this kid. He was a good kid. He'd be doing something of value in the world right this second. I know he would because he just one of those people that you fucking know was gonna do something. And he's, he's dead. He doesn't get to do it. So and... it's, it's like almost your, so there's this kind of theme, thematic concept that keeps coming up when we have uh, these conversations. And it's, it's like you saw your own death, right? And, 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 you, and you've kind of brought, you've now mentioned this kind of twice of like people who are like towards the end of their life are like, I almost did X. Yeah. So does that does that drive you that to just go do like yes go do things the things yeah. you want to do and act on it because tomorrow we might not be here not to not yeah. to get morbid but just no just, I want to get morbid 
just that's just the truth i have i have a coin in my car uh memento mori yep and it's i keep it there because i want to be reminded of the brevity of life of the fact that we are not granted the next one like we are not granted the next breath and you know it doesn't mean that i mean what's the, what's the old when you uh, live like there's no tomorrow but plan like there might be so you know essentially <laughs> um and i like that but because that's it's the way to do it don't assume there's not a tomorrow ha- like leave it on the table the best you can but don't spend all your time and, and i think that ties in really well with what we were just saying about uh about the goal it's always the goal right mm-hmm. my goal was the big money my goal was the tesla that's you know, I can walk in and drop 140 in cash. And, but I don't look at either of those things. They're there, but I don't look at them much anymore. Mm. And the reason is, is I like the process. Mm. And that is, mm. that's where the beauty really has, uh, the, where I've discovered the beauty is honestly, that stuff is a foregone conclusion to me. Um, and I don't say that to um, to sound pompous in any way. Um, those are honestly those goals were small when I made them. Um, that just they really are in the scheme of things. And especially now that I've taught myself how to get money, and I love the process so much. I love. I was. I think this may have been before we got on the mic, uh, or or we hit record. But I was. Uh, I was, I I don't know if I said it before or not when we were on the mic, but I couldn't wait to get back to my desk after a few vacation days that I had last week. You know, I was thinking like, I I have, I have these ideas. I can't wait to get back to my desk and execute on them. And that is just, it's incredible to feel that way. And every day it's something new. Every day I'm running a company bigger than I've ever run before. And <laughs> and every day that, it's a little bit different, right? Yes. It's a new thing. It's a new thing every day if you allow it to be. Right. And when it has to be in order to grow, you're stretching yourself and you're doing something. And you're also, you add employees, you add departments, you, you add different pieces of supporting technology and you have problems that you didn't have before that you have to figure out how to solve. And they're coming at you from every direction. And that, Ooh, it can get stressful. Um, and it's definitely not for everybody. I've seen a lot of people crack under it where, you know, they go and they think, well, I'm really good at this. My boss is an asshole. Maybe I'll just do it myself. <laughs> and they start a company and then they realize there's a lot more to it than just making the widget. Right. And they go, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Or they, they, you know, they figure out an excuse to tell themselves why this is big enough. Mm why having why being a complete solo is big enough and maybe it is i've just met so many people that you can tell are rationalizing in order to make it make themselves feel a little bit better about trying to make a business happen but kind of not making it work it's because we resist our own success it it makes us it makes it makes us have to face the things that we really value and call into question you know, whether or not what we're doing and our success and what led to our success compromises our values or not. 
we don't like we don't like that we don't like having to be uh, exposed in that way so i i'm gonna take this kind of just going and doing it recently um and, and i love the story um you did something fun for your daughter so i i think honestly your your mindset has bled out to then like your personal life so this is a great this is a great story so rob i'm gonna turn it over to you like what did you do for your daughter and what was her reaction to it oh man it uh so i i had i've been away more than i like to be which is for me not really not that much but i don't like to spend much time away from the family because you know tomorrow you may die right and i want to be as present as i can i want to i just want to be around be a good dad um, show up time and i was out of town for a few days with my wife in chicago um pequots and <laughs> we we were coming back and then i had a conference in orlando that i i really like the organizer i like to support him in any way i can it's podfest actually we're on a podcast might as well talk oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. Podfest. <laughs> love some oh, yeah. chris kermitzos great conference and i wanted to go down there and support him but i also didn't want to uh, be gone again after like one day. So I decided, I think I can do a couple of things here. And so what I did is I planned a trip for me and my daughter to go down to Orlando together. Now she didn't know that. So I showed up to her school around lunchtime on Thursday and checked her out of school. She has no idea what's going on. She's very <laughs> I love this. This is amazing. This She's is amazing. very surprised. And I've I've already got her bag packed. She doesn't know that. And we start driving and she's like, where are we going? And I was like, where do you think we're going? She's like, well, I thought we were going home, but you didn't turn the right way. <laughs> and I was like, well, where do you want to go? She's like, I don't know. So where do you think we're going? Uh, uh, you know, she's rattling off places. And she was like, okay, well, there are four places that I would like to go. <laughs> uh, this is her bucket Orlando. list. She was, her, yeah, her little kid, her little, little kid bucket yeah. list. Yeah. Well, no, cause she was trying to guess and I was yeah. like, well, where would you want to go if you could go anywhere? And she was like the movies, Charlotte, where we used to live, uh, the zoo mm. or solid choice. The zoo would be a uh, top one of my top contender of my house. Yeah. Or the animal place in Florida, animal kingdom oh. in Florida. And I was like, you think I'm just going to pick you up from school and take you to Florida? to go to animal kingdom she knows her dad she knows her dad too well and she goes yeah <laughs> and i was like well i'm not i'm not taking you to animal kingdom and so i grab her bag and i just tossed it to her i was like how about I look through here and she's opening her bag and it's got uh the the magic band in it and it's got an elsa dress in it and she's she's like are we going to disney world and I was like, yes, baby. And she just lost her shit. <laughs> <laughs> and how did, and, and, she, how, and how did that make, how, how did that make you feel? Oh, I mean, to be able to world. do this top of the world. I mean, just like she's, and so we, she's like, well, are, are we driving? I was like, no, baby. Uh, she's like, where are we going? I was like the airport. She's like, we're going to fly right now. And she's just losing her shit. And, <clears throat> and I've got it all on video. And uh, so we go to the airport, we fly 
to, we fly down there, we go to the resort, we go to the pool and get some food and hang out that night. We go to Epcot the next day and spend the whole day just doing stuff, me and her. And it was outstanding. Uh, it was just, it was this moment where just the two of us without, you know, her two-year-old sister just being a terrorist and ruining everything. <laughs> of course. Well, of course. Yeah, of course. And, but just us, like whatever she wanted to do, we just went on that ride and and did this and went over here and tried these foods and um and just had that experience, just the two of us. And then Saturday we just, um well, Saturday we get up, we go over to the conference, we spend about 45 minutes there, we see Chris, see a few other people, I introduce her to some of my friends from the podcast world, and then we get on a plane and we fly home. And I, I built it up in my own head because I'd been planning it for a couple months at this point and just kind of sitting on it. And she was like, did you already know this? And I was like, yeah, baby, I've known it for months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I try to be careful about building things up because, mm. you know, you, you set these expectations and something goes wrong and then you, you almost feel like a little bad about it because it didn't go the way you wanted it. But this was just better than I could have ever expected. It was so great. We had such a bonding experience. And in her world, now for the rest of her life, sometimes you get picked up from school and go to Disney World. <laughs> you know, like, that's crazy. You've you've created um, where anything is possible. Anything. Um, and, you know, I, I will also be careful that she doesn't start to, I will do my best. Yeah. To, <laughs> You'll try. Level You'll try. You'll try. To, to not... Um, you know, you always worry. You want to make sure that there's gratitude inside. Oh, sure. Of of a person. But there's um, so there there's just... been such a removal of awe, right? Of just being awestruck on life, right? So much, so much of school and living, being an attorney is about conformity, uniformity, and not being in awe of things. So like. My son, he's going to be nine. I talk about, you know, not that long ago, there was no light pollution. And people, when they walked outside at night, would look up and they could see galaxies. I mean, you could see purple and orange and blue. I mean, the night sky must have just blown your mind, right? And that was available to everyone, right? Ah, I mean, you must have just... Can you imagine? You have no idea what any of that is. You just walk out, you look up. And so it's like, how do you infuse kind of these um, being awestruck, right? Yeah. By your own by your own life and being okay mm -hmm. with it. Like yeah. being comfortable that your life can be awesome and you can do yeah. awesome things. You don't need permission to do it. And I kind of chase it now. I enjoy it. That was one of the reasons I wanted to do that was to create that for her but also for me like that's an yeah. exciting thing for me uh, one of the ways that i have chased that in my own life successfully is when we got pregnant with her we didn't know we were, if we were having a boy or a girl and now rewind 30 or 40 years and that's not all that interesting because nobody knew right yeah uh -huh. um, for all of human history you've had to wait that's but right. not anymore. And really very few people do. And, but I couldn't, I tell people when they're considering it, you definitely should do that because it's just, 
I mean, A, your baby's being born. I've never had a baby born that I knew what it was, so I can't speak, <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't speak to, the to it. Yeah. But I can definitely speak to, oh my God, it's a baby, and then also, oh, it's a daughter. Like, it just, it's all this happens at once. It's a, so few things in life are just a genuine surprise. A mystery. Yeah. A mystery. And when we... you find out, it's just a surprise. And that mm. was a surprise. Mm. Like, I've been with one of my sisters when she found out she was having her second girl in the doctor's office. And there were no tears. And I'm not saying that there's not tears for some people. Yeah. Of course yeah. there are. But it was just, it was very clinical. Yeah, there's a little girl in there. Oh, great, little girl. Um, but when you find it out while you're also becoming a dad for the first time, it's Fun. just like... It's, it's a more visceral yeah it was pretty every, everything's everything's heightened uh in yeah. these moments and so it's like um you can you can right chase those moments of delayed gratification man that's you, a you, that's a powerful word there right or, it's, or, or see, words uh yeah right like it's it's not always uh an immediate thing right and we're going to end up talking about our kids. Well, we're dads. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, is that, please let me, I've been telling, I've been telling, uh, my older son, I'm like, dude, there is a time and place not that long ago when your dad was a boy, me, where you just had available to you on TV. What was on? He's like, what? I'm like, dude, if it was that same episode of rescue Rangers that you, you just watched, watched you watched it again. And for you, for you, you thought Rescue Rangers was like, you know, seasons long. You thought there was 400 episodes. When it turns out, you know, you look as an adult, there was like two th- seasons. <laughs> like 13 <laughs> episodes or something. You know, and it's like, it's okay to not have exactly what you want when you want it. And there's good. And we don't always need an answer. That's the other thing. Oh, it's like, look it up. I'm like, I'm not looking it up. I'm not, we're going to get a book from the library and that's how you're going to get it. Like we're not. And he's also, he's also a podcast junkie where it's like, I want to listen to a podcast about X and it's even then you have to be, it's like a balance of like, Hey, the, the magic can be in the anticipation it can be in the buildup. It can be in the building blocks of getting there. Um, and it seems like in a lot of things that you do, you're really enjoying the process. So how how have you gotten to this point of just being like, it, not everything has to happen now and being patient in a time um, and space where no one's patient? Yeah, I think a... It, it, the fear play part of it was I knew what I wanted and I knew what I didn't want. And I knew I didn't want to be that person who said I almost, or I had the idea for, uh, because I had so many ideas and I didn't want to be that, that scared the hell out of me. And I, I another thing I was scared of was like, I didn't want to end up old and alone without family. And And what I did want is I wanted financial stability. I wanted that family. I wanted to do something that I felt proud of. And I wanted to be the person who could look back 
and and feel that way and not feel like I did something that somebody else wanted me to do, that mm-hmm. I did something that mattered to me and hopefully others that I felt proud of. And what I was doing for a long time didn't feel like it was getting me there. It felt like it was taking me in a different place. Mm. And I finally, like a light switch kind of went off one day. I found out my wife came in and told me a few months after we got married, she just comes in the room one day while I'm packing and says, I want to have a baby. And I kind of freaked out. (laughs) <laughs> because that was tomorrow guy's problem. Like that was not something I expected to be having to think about right now. And this is while I'm just in the middle of the chaos, trying to run this law firm, not making any money. I got employees that won't come to work on time. Uh, I just, I, everything's chaos. I'm so anxious. I'm hanging by a thread. And now she's like, somebody's going to live here next year. And they're going to cost a lot of money, money you don't have. You know, this is all something. She doesn't, she doesn't <laughs> the, say any the, of that. The most expensive roommate you've ever had. Right. And so I finally kind of gathered myself and I made a list. Top of that list was money because I feel like if I don't get that sorted out, nothing matters. Mm. And I read this book on money. It was a Dave Ramsey book, which is super helpful. Uh, Total Money Makeover. It just got my head around money a little bit because I never really learned it. Didn't really understand it. Um, I definitely don't live by it now. Um, (laughs) um, Because he's all about saving. And I have completely gone the other route. Not that I don't put away money, but I'm all about the making. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not clipping coupons and scrounging pennies and, and worrying about 10 cents on gas across town. Like I spend all my time thinking about how to make money and that's been a way better use of time, but yeah. that's a bit of a tangent. And- <laughs> no, it's okay. Someone recently I was in a thing was like, um, we, it was like circle your goal, you know, your values. And he said, I don't see on here how to make a boatload of money. Yeah, Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, and it's okay. Right. It's okay. To be motivated to have financial I love it. security. I've like, never, there, yeah, it's a know? big part of my happiness. A big part of my, well, happiness might be the wrong word. A big part of my contentment day to day is I don't think about money very much. And that is exhilarating for somebody who has never really had money in their life. Um, but we're also, we don't go out and get crazy with it. Uh, I'm not going to buy that car I want until I can pay cash. And, and not even notice that the money's gone. And <clears throat> so we're not crazy with it, but at the same time, financial stability, not thinking about, am I going to have enough money at the end of my month? Um, and, and that's, it, it, it's an amazing, amazing feeling. But the, so I listened to that book. He, he's got another book on leadership called Entree Leadership. At the end of that book, they said, listen to our podcast. I'd never listened to a podcast. This is September of 15. And, I opened up the Apple podcast app. I don't think I've ever opened it before. Uh, and I listened to that podcast, not really for me, but the very next podcast I listened to, it was just like probably one of the ones they recommended or I searched like office leadership because that's what I just listened to. And the show Awesome Office comes up and it's with Tom Bilyeu. Uh, at the time he was with Quest Nutrition. He's one of the founders of Quest and it's a two-part episode. and. To boil it down, it really, the message I took away was you can do anything that you want with your life. Mm -hmm. And how many times 
have our parents told us that teachers told us that, but it never meant anything to me. It was always like, yeah, sure. Whatever you say. That's aspirational. And, That's aspirational, yeah. but not real. Right. Like, sure. Yeah. Every, yeah. You can be president too. <laughs> and, but over the course of maybe an hour and a half between these two episodes, <clears throat> excuse me, he put meat on the bones of where he came from, the way he felt, the way he changed his mindset. And this is the first time I'd really thought about and really been introduced to the concept of mindset. And I mean, right on my desk right now, this is my fourth or fifth read through of the book mindset. And he's, he's talking about the, the fixed mindset and how he struggled with mm -hmm. it and how he's changed his mindset and how it changed his life. And at the end of that, it was really like that. It's that moment where you just go from, you just, you just take a left. You're on this path and you just, you just wander off in, into the weeds to see what's out there. You gotta wander. And, you gotta wander. Oh, it's beautiful. It's how I live every day yeah. now. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I got intoxicated. I, I listened to everything. I started, I listened to the mindset book immediately. And then I just consumed everything I could. And he was making a bunch of episodes at the time. It was a show called Inside Quest. It's gone now, but that was essentially like a personal development show that he did through the business. And now he's got a show called Impact Theory, very similar. And, but I'd listen to everything. I started listening to Tony Robbins and Brandon Bouchard. And I mean, really just anybody you can imagine got down the personal development rabbit hole and just saw the world as I can do anything I want. I didn't even know what that was going to be. I had no idea, <laughs> but I knew that it was going to be different. And mm -hmm. I knew that the feeling I was having while learning these things and pursuing this something, anything was something that I wanted. I liked the way it felt to chase, to learn, to try new things and to, to see yourself to slowly start to see yourself as a person that can be something different because mm -hmm. as a classic fixed, fixed mindset person, I, I am who I am. This is how I was born. I'm pretty good at math, but I don't really love it that much. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fairly good at, uh, whatever, you know, I don't want to turn this into a list of my skills, but I also, one of the things I told myself for a long time was I'm not creative. For 35 years, I would tell people I'm not creative. Uh, and because and why did you think guitar. that? And, wh and why did you well, think that? I tried to play guitar and I really wanted it. And I spent a lot of hours on it and really leaned into it. Uh, and, and even in hindsight, as a, uh, a person who is very happy to criticize themselves and take honest stock of where they've been, um, because I don't take that personally anymore, I think I really did lean into it. I just, I, and I'm okay. Like I can play a little bit, but I am not good. Not good. <laughs> but you and, can at least do it. Right, least, I can do it. You at least tried. But I didn't have this natural proclivity for it. And, mm -hmm. and then I tried drawing and painting and, and I was never good at any of that. Now, to be fair with drawing and painting, I never really leaned into it. I didn't have that natural talent. I didn't like it. I didn't like being bad at things. So I tended to do things that I was kind of good at except for baseball. God damn. I tried to play baseball for years. <laughs> and I you don't finally, want you, you don't want to see me swing a baseball bat. I yeah, can play. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm fairly athletic, but one time 
um, I subbed in for my buddy's like softball league, right? Yeah. They saw me swing a baseball bat. They're like, never again. Yeah. Like nice. whatever that was, quit. So <laughs> I'm right. I'm right there with you. So. I love it. Well, and I tried for years, but I'll tell you, I I went from backup right fielder to like starting third baseman on the rec league team, not the all star team or the travel team, just the rec league team. But that was like major league baseball to me. I'm like, I'm starting on this small town rec league team. Like I've yes. made it. Uh, <laughs> Success. I, yeah. But I, I never had a lot of natural talent. I, I didn't write stories. Uh, and so that was the label. I'd, I'd given myself all these labels. I'm good at this. I'm not good at this. Mm. And bananas. Like I am creative as fuck. And I'm at a point in my life now where I have to be, or I don't feel good. Like I, I am not at peace unless I am creating something because I love it so much. There's all of this in me. And a lot of my creativity comes out through helping um, and designing some myself, but helping my team create audio branding with soundtracks and voiceover and making it work just right. Cause I got an ear for it. I can see it and I can feel it. Um, but also with our graphic design, I'm not handy with Photoshop that well, I could do a little, but I'm very good at kind of sketching something and, and helping somebody understand what I'm trying to get <clears throat> and tweak it. But the video, like how to make that transition come in, how to make something just work right. And from there to writing marketing copy, like I, I've written so many of the intro and outro scripts that have been used by some of the biggest companies in law and I'll write it and they'll use it. And that blows my mind. So what because flipped at 43 the switch? years old, yeah. Yeah, what flipped the ago. switch from I'm not creative to gosh, I'm, I'm really creative. I mean, the, the big first start was, I mean, mindset. I you mean, just, it, you just changed the way that you were framing it to yourself. It's and, a then how, and, then, and then how you were showing up and the actions you were taking. Yeah, because it's mm. things, you know, while I did feel like a switch was flipped, it didn't really change who I was, but it changed for me what I was willing to do. The way that I was willing to accept new information and try new things. And it's, it's a slow process. I'm still in it. And I, I mean, honestly, I... The way I see the world, I will never not be in it. Oh yeah, I will probably die with several things about me. <laughs> there is no I, end. That's the thing. Right. There, there. I will be working on something. Because the second you say like this is it, I have then arrived. there is no arrival. Like when once you love the process, there is no arrival. There's no pinnacle. There's no apex. There's none of that. All of that's been just artificially created to have you produce right typically for someone else right so so now now you're doing law pods um so how has your journey been of being you know practicing attorney now you're doing something in the legal industry you know is it that you know, a lot of people think, you know, you, you step in to the legal industry as, uh, an attorney, you die an attorney. I've seen but, it happen a lot. Right. And there, your retirement plan is you'll die in your chair. Yeah. 
Um, but here you are, Rob. You're like, I don't believe in that. I, I'm not abiding by that. I'm I'm on the my life's mission to do the things that makes my soul sing. So what what has been your experience now doing podcasts with lawyers and, and inviting them to be creative or to have their own voice or to try something scary? What do you typically it's, tell them when you when you get any kind of pushback? It's been um, and and again with no hyperbole, it's been incredible to to be a part of this to to create this company from nothing and and make it this this real thing that not only affords me financial security but also like other people get to come work here with me and they really like it i have attorneys that work for me who will tell you with even if i'm not listening that this is the best job they've ever had because they love it. They get to do something interesting that they just didn't even understand was a thing. And, and I love to do that for people. But with these attorneys, it's so fun with so many of them because they show up to these recordings. It's a lot like what we're doing right now. We get on a call and this, I've heard from numbers of people is the best part of the day. Mm where they get to hop on here and they get to get their microphone out and play and talk play. And, and, and do the play. Thing. There you go. Play. That's it. That's, that's it. We have, we need more of it. Fun yeah. for the sake of fun. Yeah. And for when no you can reason. make part of, when you can make the thing you do for money also feel like play sometimes, um, I, I, yeah, I can only speak from my experience, but <clears throat> I mean, this part of getting my mental health in good shape was becoming the kind of person who has a neat and orderly surrounding that has not historically been me. Ask anybody that I've ever known for the first 35 years of my life. I am very cluttered and messy. <laughs> and now, you know, you can't really see it, but on the wall, I've got my pegboard with everything organized up there and I've got my desk everything is mounted to the desk and I've got my lights and everything's bolted underneath it with cord management and my closet. I I'll bring anyone to look at it that they can because it's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And that to me, it it feels like play organization feels like play to me. Um, But also building my studio feels like play researching the lights. What kind of video camera will give me, the best uh the best shot for the best price in this environment and how to set it up and make it work and all the pieces and the mixers and the microphones and i I need a key light in front of me i need a a light behind me how do i make my background look kind of cool you figured out how to to have a fulfilling profession by monetizing curiosity and play yeah i love it and then i get to bring people in to make a podcast and some of them are hesitant when they first sign up that they are like, what am I going to talk about? How's it going to work? And man, that falls apart real quick when, <laughs> when we start recording and they enjoy it. And then they, they get to invite people that they don't know onto the podcast. Like you and I, yeah. we know each other now because of this podcast. And it's the same for my clients. They get to know people and they develop these relationships and they expand their network and they get to have these fun conversations. And they love it. 
And I love that I can be a part of that for them, mm -hmm. showing them a different side of it because they're used to marketing and business development. A lot of them hate it. It's just a thing that you have to do. And it's another task to be completed that right. you dread as yeah. opposed to thinking of it as I'm just sharing my personal story. Yeah. Like this and, is, uh, and I'm sharing this information is me. sometimes. Just yeah. Here's something that I really <laughs> care about. I care deeply about international tax and transfer pricing. That's my thing, right? I care deeply about it. Thank God someone cares about it. About, right. Good. That's what I want to talk about. Right. And you talk about it with other people who really care about it. And then people who really care about it, you know, your little subset, they really care about it and they talk about it and they tell you, I heard that. I like that. You know, it's, it's exciting. And, and that's one of the things I love about podcasting. It gives us that ability to connect with these small groups that care deeply about the thing that we care deeply about. Mm. I mean, that's, that's been the overwhelming feedback um, is you don't even quite realize the receptivity or that people will be like, um, you know, big fans of your podcast, like listen to it and repeat back to you things that you talked about. Um, and then that it's really, then you're like, okay, this is impactful. Once yeah. again, it's like this play is impactful. It's, it's greater than the, just the conversation that then that takes place. Um, it's bigger than that. So Rob, I'm going to wrap up here. And usually the question I end with is what do you think it means to be a newfangled lawyer? Oh, I, I like that question. Uh, it's, I'm sure I, I'm trying to think what I would say that because for me, <laughs> For me, it's a, it's a lawyer who takes their legal training and does something else with it. Mm. Uh, because those are, those are my people and I love lawyers. I work with them all the time. And, but so many of the interesting people I've met on my journey are people who embarked on a legal career and then pivoted and went and did something different. And people will say to you, don't you regret spending all that time and money? Not even a little bit, Oh not no. even a little bit. Because, uh, a, all, 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 life. yeah, and all part of it informs the other. Right. But also learning to think like a lawyer changed my life. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, to me, the, perhaps the most important thing I did in law school is it, it made me stop thinking, it made me stop just believing things because I wanted them to be true. Mm. It said, no, no, no. You go from A to B to C. You never get to skip B. You have to go through the analysis. And if it doesn't withstand the analysis, you don't get to believe it. And now I don't believe a lot of things. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have an opinion on most things Same because, Same. because they don't withstand B. Yeah. I try to do that analysis and I can't find a conclusion. Even if I want one, I haven't been able to find one. And so I don't get to have it. And that is a beautiful place to be, but mm. also like it changed my politics pretty severely because the things that I wanted to be true about the world didn't withstand scrutiny. And so I didn't get to believe them anymore. And by its very nature, it shifted the way I felt about the world. Mm. So I love it. I love and, that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a short answer coming from. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, uh, thanks Rob for being the, the, not the dreamer anymore, but the dream chaser. I, I think. mean, I encourage yeah. everybody, like if you have a dream, yeah. chase it um, yeah. and, and be okay knowing you have to be okay knowing 
that you have to leave most of your dreams just in the drawer because in order to really chase a dream, you've got to focus. You have to get really specific about what you want to do and how you want to do it and execute. Mm -hmm. And some things don't get to get done. Um, but the thing that does get to get done, uh, is, is beautiful. And so just figure out something. And if that doesn't work, chase a different one, but chase something because you don't want to be that person who goes, I almost don't be that person. Amen, brother. I have nothing more to add. Um, <laughs> we're going to end there. You're just uh, so good talking to you. Yeah, that was, thanks so much, Rob, for being here. I uh, loved our conversation. Uh, for anyone who enjoys the podcast, make sure to leave a review, like, share, follow, spread the good word of the the newfangled lawyer. Uh, there's more of us out there, right? And there's there's people that want to see and experience the the large swath of different experiences that uh, an attorney can have. So thanks so much, Rob. This is the point where I hit end. How do I do that? Okay, there we go here. So,